Good afternoon. Uh, join me in praying again uh, before we dig into the Word. Um, Lord, we we uh, thank you for allowing us to be here as your people today, to be able to gather as your people. And Lord, just as we sang in the last song, uh, we ask you that you would prepare our hearts to receive your Word. Uh, we we pray that you would break the hard and stony ground of our hearts, of our unbelief. Uh, help us to believe. Yeah, we pray that you would plant your word deep down in us and and cause uh, us through the power of the Spirit to, to be able to bear fruit for your glory. Yeah, we pray that you would open up our ears to be able to hear and that you would lead us in truth. And God, I ask that any words that are that I speak that are not from you, that they would fall on deaf ears and that... that um, that God, that that would just not be remembered, and that God, that anything that is from you, um, God, I pray that uh, it would pierce our hearts like a a sharp two sharp two edged sword, and um, God, that you would convict our hearts, and that you would encourage us, and that you would, through the power of the Spirit, uh, help us to know you more, and help us to to treasure you more through your Word. And God, we ask these things in your name, Christ, for your glory and for our good. Amen. Uh, growing up in Georgia, um, we used to spend a, a lot of time doing things outdoors. You kind of have to if you grow up in a town that all you have is as a Walmart, you know, and, and this this bowling alley that's in pretty bad shape that nobody ever wants to go to. You know, so typically we would spend a lot of time outdoors playing sports, you know, going hunting, and usually at least once a month we would try to go camping. And when we would go camping, we would never really use a tent, but we typically just slept around the fire all night. And if you've ever been camping, then you know that usually you will spend a few more, you, you, would, you will feed a few more pieces of, uh, of wood onto the fire before you head off to sleep. And so the fire, it would be blazing by the time that you fall asleep, but usually we would wake up at some point during the night because the fire had, had died down to nothing more than a few red-hot coals that were giving off very little light and giving off very little heat. And this happened because no one had been feeding wood onto the fire to keep the flame burning bright and hot throughout the night. And I believe that often our passion and desire to courageously fulfill the ministry that God has called us to can start out like that blazing fire and then dwindle down to nothing more than a few hot coals. And most all of us who have trusted in Christ for salvation, we've, we've likely experienced that at some point. You know, unless you've just recently been saved, and if you haven't experienced this, then likely there will be a time where that will come. And so how do we keep this burning passion and desire to courageously fulfill the ministry that God has called us to from dwindling down to nothing more than a few hot coals? Well, I believe that Paul, he not only teaches us how to do this, but he also models for us how to do this as he writes a letter to Timothy. And we will see this as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 today. And so if you could please take your Bibles and turn to, to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. And I want to give you a little context as you turn there so that we can better understand what he is speaking to Timothy here within this specific passage that we're going to be looking at today. 
Now, this is the Apostle Paul's last letter that he wrote, and it's written sometime during his second imprisonment in Rome, you know, likely under the persecution of Nero. And throughout the letter, he writes of how he has been bound with chains, he's been abandoned by some of his colleagues, and he makes mention to Timothy that the time of his departure is near in chapter 4. And so, so Paul, he knows that this last imprisonment will likely end in his death. But Timothy, the one whom he is writing to, he's, he's having to deal with suffering of his own. You know, he's been tasked to lead the church in Ephesus. In Ephesus, it was one of the chief cities situated on the west coast of Asia Minor, which today is modern-day Turkey. And it was, it was a center of pagan worship, but it also had a large Jewish population. And so Timothy, he had his hands full. But Timothy is also the ideal person to be within that position because the scripture shows us that his father was a Gentile, his mother was Jewish, so he was likely pretty familiar with both cultures. And also he's been discipled by the Apostle Paul. But... At the time that this letter was written, Timothy is having to deal with false teachers who have arisen within the church. And they are causing controversies, and there are those who have begun to argue and quarrel over different issues. And not to mention, while he's having to deal with all this, his father in the faith, the Apostle Paul, has been placed in prison. And so he's having to deal with that issue on the back of his mind. And so I'm sure that there were times when Timothy questioned why he was doing what he was doing. He felt times where he felt weak in the faith and began to lose his passion and desire to carry on the ministry that had been entrusted to him. And so Paul, he writes this final letter to Timothy, his beloved disciple in Christ. And I mean, what do you say knowing that these could be your last words that you will leave to the one whom you have trained to carry on the ministry of the gospel? I can imagine Paul sitting in his jail cell, you know, thinking about all the things that he wanted to write to Timothy, but then the Spirit of God inspires him to write these words. And as we read and work through verses 3 through 14 together, we will see that Paul is using this last letter to fan into flame the gift of God within Timothy. And that the main point for us today is that all Christians are called to fan into flame the gift of God within them so that we can fulfill the ministry that God has called us to. All Christians are called to fan into flame the gift of God within them, so that we can fulfill the ministry that God has called us to. And so let's read 2 Timothy, and we're actually going to read chapter 1, verses 1 through 14 together, just for context. So starting in verse 1, Paul writes, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God who I, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my, in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. 
Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality delight through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And so Paul, he he begins in verse 3 by expressing thankfulness to God. You know, he thanks the, the one and only God whom his ancestors before him have served. He serves the same God who Abraham, Moses, and David served. He serves the same God who the, the prophets spoke of and who has been fully revealed in Jesus Christ. And he does so, as he says, with a clear conscience. You know, there's a kind of spirit-produced joy, assurance, and peace of good conscience that can only spring forth from an authentic faith when faced with the most difficult kinds of suffering, especially as we're suffering from faithfully fulfilling the gospel ministry that he has called us to. And that is why Paul could write these words of genuine thankfulness as he is sitting inside of a cell waiting to be put to death. You know, after expressing his desire to see his spiritual son, Timothy, in verse 4, Paul acknowledges the authentic faith that now dwells within Timothy in verse 5. Now, he starts by making mention of the sincere faith that his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice had. And we learn from Acts 16.1 that Timothy's mother is Jewish. And so his grandmother and his mother are Jews who have come to trust in Jesus as the Messiah who was promised to come in the Old Testament. They are genuine believers who have passed along the truths of the gospel to Timothy. And so there is a kind of lineage of faith here with both Paul and Timothy. Paul serves the same God that his ancestors served, and Timothy possesses the same authentic faith that his grandmother and mother had. But Paul does not consider Timothy to be a Christian only because of tradition. And only because he grew up in a home where his mother and his grandmother were both Christians. You see, Paul had discipled Timothy over the past ten years or more and has had the opportunity to see Timothy's authentic faith in Christ tested and fleshed out through some of the most difficult times of suffering. And so Paul acknowledges Timothy's authentic faith here. And this is meant to be an encouragement to Timothy. I believe that this is a good time for us to examine ourselves. You know, do we possess an authentic faith in Christ or have we only taken the title of being a Christian? You know, have we genuinely turned away and forsaken our sin and trusted in Christ for salvation? You know, do we possess this authentic faith that Paul and Timothy had? And I pray that, that each and every one of us, you know, do and that when we experience suffering like Paul is experiencing, for faithfully fulfilling the gospel ministry that he has given us, that we can rejoice as Paul did. But if you've not, then the gift of salvation, it is offered freely to all who will receive Christ by faith. 
Now, he took our place on the cross. He bore our sins in his body. He took on the wrath of God that we deserved. And he shed his blood to atone for the penalties of our sin. And we're called to simply just turn from that sin to forsake it and to receive Jesus who saves by faith. But Paul, he continues in verse 6, which is what I believe to be the main thrust of this letter that Paul is writing to Timothy, or at least the main point of the message today. Paul writes in verse 6, For this reason, or Timothy, because of the authentic faith that God has given you and that I have been convinced that you possess, Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Or the main point for us today, which is all Christians must fan into flame the gift of God within them. And so what is this gift of God within us, and and how do we fan it into flame? Now, is this a one-time fanning of the flame, or is it something that we must continually be doing? You know, there are some people who believe that the gift is only referring to the Holy Spirit or, or only referring to Timothy's spiritual gifts. But what's the purpose of spiritual gifts? You know, they're to be used to live out and proclaim the gospel for the glory of Christ. However, this cannot be done without, apart from the power of the Holy Spirit working through us in the ways that He has gifted us. And so I think that it has to involve both here. You know, Paul writes that this gift that was given to Timothy through the laying on of his hands. You know, I believe that this is just referring to a time where uh, Timothy was set apart for gospel ministry. You know, something like an ordination. You're not going to picture a host of, of godly men and women standing around Timothy as they lay hands on him and pray for a special anointing of power from the Holy Spirit to give him an unashamed courage to boldly proclaim the gospel and to fulfill the ministry that God has set apart for him. And so I believe that the gift of God here is simply an unashamed courage to boldly proclaim the gospel and to fulfill the ministry that God has set apart for us. And this involves the Holy Spirit using the ways in which God has gifted us to accomplish this. And I believe that this is further support in verse 7 where Paul writes, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And what is the opposite of fear? It is courage that is characterized by the power of God, the love of God, and godly self-control. And this is a courageous power, love, and self-control that Timothy must have as he is confronted with the difficulties of false teachers, you know, of meaningless quarreling and arguing that is going on within the church in Ephesus and the rest of the suffering that he will experience throughout his ministry. And this is the same kind of unashamed and God-empowering courage that we must have to fulfill the ministry that God has given to us. And so if this gift of God is an unashamed courage to boldly proclaim the gospel and to fulfill the ministry that God has given to us, which involves the power of the Holy Spirit working through us, using our spiritual gifts, then how do we fan into flame this gift? How do we feed this flame to turn it into a roaring fire for the glory of Christ? I believe that Paul, he's commanding Timothy to do this, but I... I don't believe that this this fanning of the flame, it only takes place once. I believe that this must be a continual thing that he must do and we must do throughout the duration of our ministries. Apart from Paul simply commanding Timothy to, to fan the flame of the gift of God within him, he's actually modeling for him and for us how to do this. You know, throughout the letter, Paul is fanning the flame within Timothy using the spirit inspired words of God that he is writing. 
And so one of the ways in which we fan the flame is that, one, we must fan the flame using the Word of God. You know, the Word of God, it is central to fanning the flame within us and others. As we're experiencing suffering and difficulty within the sinful world that we live in, we can easily become discouraged and and begin to lose our passion or desire to fulfill the ministry that He has called us to. We we can become burnt out and our faith becomes weak, and maybe there are even times where we wake up and we just feel like quitting. And as I mentioned before, Timothy, he most certainly had times where he struggled with this. And I believe that Paul is writing to Timothy as he's writing to him that through his words, which are divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, he is fanning the flame within Timothy. God extends grace or power to Timothy and us through his written word. Have you ever noticed that at the beginning of every one of Paul's letters, he writes, grace to you. And at the end of every one of these letters, he writes, grace be with you. I believe that Paul, as an apostle, is saying, God is extending grace to you through the words that I am about, that you are about to read. And at the end, he reminds his readers that God has extended grace to you through the words that you've read. You know, John Piper, he, he writes, why is it always grace to you at the beginning of the letters and grace be with you at the end of the letters? Here's my answer. Because as, as the letters begin, Paul believes that God's grace is being mediated to the readers by the words or the truth of each letter. And as the letter ends and people have been receiving grace through reading or hearing these truths, he knows that the readers will now leave and return to the troubles of the world, and he prays that this grace which they have now received through the word of God will go with them as they return to the world. And so as Timothy is reading these words written by Paul, God is extending grace to Timothy that is being used to fan the flame of God's gift within him. We have to utilize God's word to fan the flame within us. And we have to discipline ourselves to read, to meditate, to study the scriptures. If that means we must get up early or stay up late before the craziness of the day begins, then this must take priority. You know, listen to music, read books or articles that are saturated in God's Word. You know, listen to podcasts, sit under the faithful preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Meet with other believers throughout the week and open up the Word over a cup of coffee. Or if you don't like coffee, you know, eat some donuts. Keith can testify that, you know, I, I like to do both at the same time, eat donuts and, and do whatever coffee. So, uh, whatever works, you know, meet together, encourage one another, Fan the flame using the Word of God. It's central to restoring our passion and desire to use the ways in which God has gifted us to courageously minister the gospel to others. But I do not believe that it is only by the Word of God alone. And what I mean by this is that there is a responsibility that we have to use the Word to fan the flame. But we cannot create a roaring flame out of our own power. We also have to ask God to fan the flame within us so that we can be empowered to fulfill the ministry that he has given to us. You know, in verse 8, Paul writes, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the power, for the, for the gospel by the power of God. Paul, he is telling Timothy not to be ashamed, but to be courageously unashamed of the gospel. 
he knows that we should expect to be ashamed, but to, to be unashamed in our proclamation of the gospel. And Paul's a prisoner, which is a shameful position for him to be in. But he tells Timothy to be courageously unashamed of the position that he's been placed in. And did you catch what he writes here? He says, nor of me, his prisoner. And Paul, he doesn't acknowledge that he is a prisoner of Rome. But he acknowledges that God has placed him in that position to fulfill his ministry. You know, he encourages Timothy to courageously share in suffering for the gospel as well. But how? You know, is he supposed to do this by his own power, some power that he just conjures up within himself? No, it's by the power of God, as he says in verse 8. And so we're called to fan the flame of the gift of God within us by using the word of God. But God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is the one who fans the flame within us as we read the word. And we should seek and ask him to do this work within us and through us as we actively seek him in his word. And God also empowers us to share in and endure through suffering in order to fulfill the the ministry that he's called us to. You know, when we're confronted with suffering for faithful gospel, gospel ministry, we should also look to Paul's model of how he is fanning the flame within Timothy. You know, we could easily uh, meet the next four or five Sundays and hear preaching, uh, you, know, you know, from this specific chapter in chapter one, be, be broken up and over into, into four or five different sermons. But sometimes it is good to step back and get the big picture of what Paul is doing here in chapter one and throughout the, the rest of the letter. You know, Paul, he has just commanded Timothy to share in suffering for the power, by the power of God in verse eight. And he continues to fan the flame in the following verses by putting suffering for the gospel into right perspective for Timothy and for us. You remember, Timothy, he is experiencing suffering of his own, and I'm sure that he is struggling as he leads the church in Ephesus. It can be easy for us to view the things that are going on in our lives and ministries from a wrong perspective when we're experiencing suffering. But Paul will help Timothy put the suffering that he is experiencing into right perspective. And he does so by urging Timothy to look to Christ, you know, to remember the gospel, Timothy. And he also points to his own example of suffering. And so Paul, he continues to fan the flame and reminds Timothy and us as he writes in verses 9 through 10. You know, Timothy, you share in suffering by the power of God. And he is the one in verse 9 who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave in us. In Christ, gave, he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And so we should follow Paul's example and fan the flame by putting suffering in the right perspective using God's word. You know, Paul, he reminds Timothy as he writes that the same gospel that I'm suffering in prison and will soon die for is the same gospel that I will save through. You know, Timothy, God called you to himself and to the ministry that you are suffering in, not because of any works that you have done, but because of his own purpose and by his power. He gave this to you, Timothy, in Christ Jesus before the ages began. I mean, think about this. Before God laid the foundations of the heavens and the earth, he wrote your name in the book of life, as it says in Revelation 13.8, and he has prepared good works that we would walk in them. 
As Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You know, Timothy, this grace has been manifested in Christ as he appeared and abolished death and brought about eternal life through his death and resurrection. And do you realize how easily we can talk ourselves into believing that the reason we are suffering, even when we are being faithful and fulfilling the ministries that God has called us to, is because, you know, God doesn't love us or because God is no longer with us or because he no longer desires to use us. And we have to realize that we are sinners with imperfect minds and not to mention Satan. He loves to twist the truth and defeat his lies. And if we're not daily renewing our minds in the word of God, then we begin to think wrongly about ourselves, about who God is and about the difficult situations that we've been placed in. You know, we begin to believe these lies and then we live according to what we have come to believe. We forget that the same gospel that we are suffering for is the same gospel that we were saved through. Now, we forget that God has called us to himself by his power and with a purpose that he has laid out before the ages began. And we can easily forget that God has conquered sin and saved us through his death and resurrection. And when we begin to lose sight of the real reasons why we are suffering for faithful gospel ministry, and the flame of the gift of God within us can begin to dwindle out and we begin to lose a passion and desire to courageously fulfill the ministries that God has set apart for us. You know, Paul, he is fanning this flame within Timothy by putting the suffering that he is experiencing into right perspective through this written letter. You know, I can imagine, you know, Timothy, as he reads it in the midst of his suffering, you know, and he's reminded of the true reason why he is suffering. And God, through the power, through his word, by the power of the spirit, begins to wipe away the doubts and the lies that have creeped into his mind. And God begins to stir that passion and desire within Timothy to courageously fulfill the ministry that he's called to. I'm sure that throughout his ministry that, that Timothy, he would have come back to this letter, you know, these divinely inspired words written by Paul to remind himself and to fan the flame. It's the same with us. You know, we should follow Paul's example here by using the word of God to encourage one another and also to renew our own minds. And when we do this, God uses the word by the power of the spirit to renew our minds and to fan the flame of the gift of God within us. And finally, we can see that we can fan the flame by looking to the faithful examples of others. You know, Paul points to his own example and writes in verses 11 through 14, starting in verse 11, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. You follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Now he writes to Timothy in verses 11 through 12 that these are the reasons why he has been appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. This is why he endures the suffering that he's experiencing by from faithful gospel ministry as he does. And this is why he can be courageously unashamed because his hope has been placed in Jesus Christ. And this is why Paul can entrust his life to Christ even as he is about to face death. 
You know, Paul encourages Timothy to follow his example and to guard the good deposit, which is the gospel that has been entrusted to him. You know, as we suffer, look to Paul's faithful example. Now, he's the one who modeled the truth within his life. He's in a jail cell suffering for the gospel and awaiting his death, but he responds faithfully. But I also believe, apart from looking to Paul's faithful example, we can also look to the faithful examples of other men and women who are, are, are responding faithfully as they are experiencing suffering from gospel ministry that they have been called to. And maybe that could be a mentor or a pastor or even someone that you're reading about in a biography. And as we do this, remember that we are also called to model the truth for others and how we continually serve Christ faithfully, even as we experience suffering because of it. Now, we do so using the word of God while being empowered by the Holy Spirit to carry that out. I mean, can't you see how Paul, he is fanning the flame of the gift of God within Timothy here. You know, this is just a quick example of how he is doing this. And as we read and meditate on these truths, I pray that he would do this within our lives as well. That if you're feeling burnt out, you know, your faith has become weak, and maybe you're even at the point of feeling like you want to quit, that we would allow God through the power of the Spirit to use the divinely inspired Word of God written by Paul and other authors throughout the Word of God to fan the flame of the gift of God within us. And I pray that he would give us an unashamed courage to boldly proclaim the gospel and fulfill the ministry that God has set apart for each one of us. And before we have a moment of silence here in a second, I just want to give another application for us as Grace Fellowship Church. You know, Annie and I are going over, uh, and you know, we're going to continue, if the Lord wills, to go over to the Philippines multiple times to be able to work with pastors and and learn how to to more faithfully preach the Word of God. But when we go, we're not just mainly focusing on. It's not just about logistics. You know, it's not just about you know this is how you structure a sermon and this is how we preach a certain genre. You know and as we're going, our prayer is that even as we gather around the Word of God, I hope you can pray this too as we go, that as we gather around as brothers in Christ, that God would use His Word that we're sitting around discussing to stir up this flame by the power of His Spirit within them to continue on persevering in the ministries that they are called to. Now, even in talking to Sean, the missionary that we support, he said that this is a fantastic book, you know, to share with them. Because many of these pastors, when they come, they're on the brink of wanting to quit. You know, they, they've been suffering in their ministries and they're, they're tired and they're worn out. And so I ask you to pray for us as we go. You know, pray for those pastors. Pray that God would fan the flame within them to continue persevering in the ministries that they've been called to. And even do that right now as we, let's just take a moment of silence and, uh, and reflect on God's Word, but just spend some time praying for those men and for us as we go.